At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The biggest games of the football season are coming, and Bet Rivers is introducing new parlay features just in time for the playoff push. For your next bet, try a new multi-game parlay and combine bets across games to make your perfect combo. Combine player props, game bets, and even different same-game parlays into one multi-game parlay. Make your parlay today at BetRivers. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com to place your bet. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by BetRivers. This can't all fall into place for the Pittsburgh Steelers, can it? I'm Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. Glad you're with us. Hopefully, as we approach Christmas, you've got a little extra cash in your pocket for gifts because you've been listening to us throughout the football season. Actually, come to think of it, maybe you've got even more cash in your pocket because you have been listening to us and have gone the other way. I wouldn't take offense if that's the case. The NFL has been incredibly chaotic and incredibly difficult to figure out. We are brought to you, as always, by Bet Rivers today. Go to BetRivers.com or download the app or do both. And when you do that, take a good long look at the Chiefs-Steelers game. I will say this, that I think it's become a little easier in recent weeks to figure out the NFL, I think, a little bit. But now, all of a sudden, this Chiefs-Steelers game is getting harder to figure out because of what's going on in Kansas City with the COVID protocols. Again, just as we thought the coronavirus protocols are going to become easier for teams to navigate. They've suddenly become harder for at least the Chiefs. 
Travis Kelsey. Questions about his availability now coming up for Sunday afternoon when the Steelers visit Arrowhead. Tyreek Hill as well. Harrison Bucker. Man, I looked at that line when it first came out and I saw Steelers as nine and a half point underdogs against the Chiefs. My first thought was, not enough. Chiefs are going to roll. This is going to be a cakewalk. Go ahead and lay the points. I saw 45 and a half as an over-under. I said, not high enough. Chiefs might get there on their own. Now with Kelsey and Hill potentially out, though, and we'll see how these tests go with the new restrictions or looser restrictions in place, what that does to impact their availability for Sunday. But if those guys are out, all of a sudden Kansas City is a hell of a lot easier to defend for the Steelers. And I've made the analogy on a number of occasions to the 2018 season in December for the Steelers. Like, for instance, if you were listening here, if you read me at Breakfast with Ben's, we'll talk about this a little bit when Joe Rudder joins us in a second from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, my colleague there. I told you that that game against the Titans was highly reminiscent of when they beat the Patriots the year the Patriots won the Super Bowl over the Rams in 2018. And I said that game felt very much like what we were going through here in Pittsburgh this past week with Tennessee, a team with a better record, uh, likely AFC playoff combatant coming to Heinz Field like the Patriots were at that time before they started to crest, very flawed, not playing great, had some injuries that were obviously problematic, and the Steelers won that day against New England, and the Steelers won last week against the Titans. It's the exact kind of game Mike Tomlin always wins to keep his less-than-stellar versions of the Steelers afloat and alive for the postseason and chasing, say it with me, a 500 season. That's why Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, games exactly like that one. Now, I also drew out the analogy about 2018 to apply to the next week because in that season, after the Steelers finally beat the boogeyman, they were able to slay Tom Brady at Heinz Field. Oh, what a gift from the heavens that was. Well, then they had to turn around and go on the road to play Drew Brees in New Orleans and a good Saints team that year. And you went into that game thinking they didn't have much of a shot, but what did they do? They played fantastic. Maybe their best game of the season that year, and they still lost because Juju Smith-Schuster fumbled in overtime, and the Steelers got screwed on a couple of horrific pass interference calls. So I looked at that game against the Saints and sort of felt the same way about the Steelers going to Arrowhead to play Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in the sense that it was a long shot they could win those two games back-to-back. You know, any permutation that I've had about the Steelers advancing the playoffs, any way I've tried to dissect their road to postseason participation coming out of that loss against Minnesota, it's always included a loss against Kansas City. It always has. But if Travis Kelsey can't play, depending on his COVID situation, and Tyreek Hill can't play based on his COVID situation, and you got... Shavarius Ward out, and the kicker might be out, and well, now it's a whole different kettle of fish. Maybe all of a sudden the Steelers could be competitive. There's a lot to go between now and then. There's a lot to go between now and the time you finish listening to this podcast. Maybe three guys from the Steelers pop, and it evens out. Who knows? That's kind of what we're dealing with, and that's what makes gambling so difficult this time of year when COVID tends to spike and the games get very, very important. You got to wait right up until the inactives come out to make a final decision. 
Maybe that's always the smartest thing to do. But then again, when you find a spread that you like and you find a number that you like, you want to hop on it at that exact moment. Like, you know, if you were somebody who was going to go the other way and said, you know what, I like the Steelers to cover there at nine and a half. Hopefully you got it then because it's going to start to slide. In fact, right now it's off the board. Let's see what it looks like when it comes back on. But from a Steelers point of view, we had Mike Tomlin today speaking at his press conference and the ongoing gag in Pittsburgh was less about anything that Tomlin said and more about how it sounded because the Zoom was off and he sounded like some sort of combination of Darth Vader and Michael Clark Duncan. At least that's the idea that I advanced to Joe Rudder today uh, on the Breakfast with Ben's podcast. He joined me to recap the Mike Tomlin press conference and give some insight himself. He covers the Steelers on a daily basis for the Trib and Here's a good chunk of that conversation between Joe and me to kick off the Pittsburgh CityCast here on a Wednesday morning. Well, now it's starting to hit, you know, the Kansas City locker room. Um, you know, w- with this change in protocol, you don't know if they'll speed things up for players that are asymptomatic. But, uh, you know, that would be a benefit for the Steelers if, you know, they get, get Kelsey out of the game. And, you know, even Butker, one of the most reliable kickers in the league. And, you know, so far the Steelers have been fortunate. They just have Montrevious Ward on the list, and he's probably eligible to come back here in the next day or two. So unless something happens, the Steelers should be in a pretty good situation. Now, it is important to note that today is the normal testing day for the Steelers. So a lot of news could come out tomorrow if there are positives. Right, and I don't know what they're doing now in terms of their schedule, and that does throw things out of whack, too, based on what we've tried to coach ourselves to get used to because, you know, now they're doing this centralized, um, you know, random testing of different teams, different position groups, instead of having vaccinated players who are asymptomatic tested. That was a big change in the NFL protocols, and I think it's overdue, Joe, to be quite honest with you, because... I don't know why these leagues, especially now with the NHL shutting down before Christmas, I don't know why these leagues have to make it look like they're doing something more than average Joe Citizen has to do with their job. Because if it weren't for covering the Steelers, I can't tell you the last time I would have been tested for coronavirus. Yeah, that's a good point because, you know, most people aren't, you know, I guess if, I don't know if it's fortunate's the right word, to be able to get tested, you know, once a week like we are. Uh, I mean, I guess the Bureau brings some peace of mind, but yeah, there, there is nowhere in normal society, unless maybe you work for a medical facility, that you're getting tested like this. And that's why we're seeing as many positives as we're seeing. And I think to the point of the need to get people vaccinated, it sort of deadens the message of the importance of getting vaccinated for these players if they're winding up serving what amounts to close to the same fate as those that aren't vaccinated. It's not encouraging those who are holding out to do so. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that does, that does uh, you know, it does raise an interesting point. And I, to, from my end, it makes you wonder, though, you know, if, they, if a player is, uh, you know, experiencing some mild symptoms and they want him to self-report that for testing, but he doesn't want to because he wants to play, does that factor in anything as well? Exactly. And there is no perfect answer. There is no perfect solution. But I think the closer we get to powering through and sort of living with the disease instead of having the disease mandate what we all do day to day and week to week, when, especially when it comes to younger, healthy people who have the means to get vaccinated, I think that's the right answer, whatever it might be. 
Now, as far as the Steelers go, um, even though Travis Kelsey is a huge component of that Kansas City offense, and if he can't go, that's bad news for them. Unless number 15, who's taking the snaps under center, gets it, I don't think Kansas City has anything to worry about. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, You know, especially this game being played where it is in front of that environment. You know, I asked Mike Tallman and, and, you know, it might have come across muffled to most, but I asked him about that environment because the Steelers have struggled with communication in indoor settings like the Chargers and Vikings. And this is the, the probably the loudest outdoor venue there is. And that could be another problem for this offensive line. And that, that's something Patrick Mahomes can use to his advantage. And, uh, you know, just with, the, you know, with that experience and playing in front of that crowd, it's going to be very hard for the Steelers, I think, to have a chance in this game. If I'm the Chiefs, for as good as Mahomes is and for as dynamic as their passing game has become again, especially with Kelsey out there, I might use this opportunity to get Clyde Edwards-Alaire in gear because the Chiefs haven't had a 100-yard rusher since Alaire before he got dinged up again against the Philadelphia Eagles back in Week 4. That was the last time they've had a 100-yard rusher. Now, they've had 100-yard rushing games. They've had a couple of decent ones by committee lately, but... If they want to get that guy going for the playoffs, maybe get him a few touches, or maybe more to the point, Joe, lessen the amount of touches that Mahomes might have, especially if Kelsey can't go, and just get your run game going against a Steelers defense that can't stop the run at all. Yeah, I mean, if this is if this is the if there's a game where you want to try to get your run game going and establish that, looking ahead to the playoffs when you might need to run the ball more consistently, this is the game to do it. I mean, you know, uh, you know, the, the Chiefs ought to be sending limos to the, the Steelers hotel, making sure they're all healthy, rested, ready to go for this game, especially the defensive line. So, you know, that, that's how eager they should be to want to, you know, want to face this Steelers defense. Um, yeah, this could be a big game for Clyde Edwards Hilaire to break out and they have Darrell Williams back there and they rotate guys around. Um, yeah, this could be a uh, time for them to pad their stats. That's for sure. Joe Rudder with us. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, the Steelers are now down to, I think it's, 84.6 yards per game rushing. So they're only 0.2 yards better than what they were a season ago when they were last in the National Football League. That's something that was supposed to change. I know Najee Harris isn't getting any blocking, uh, but he's not making anything go himself either at this point. And uh, if it weren't for the Texans on both sides of the ball, the only team that's worse than the Steelers in both categories, rushing and stopping the rush, I mean, this would be a historic thing for this franchise to be last in the NFL when it comes to stopping the run potentially and last rushing the ball as well. That's not the Steelers anyone grew up knowing. No, that's, you know, you look at the foundation of this team since the 70s and it's been running the ball and, you know, stopping the run. And just to see Steelers ranked as low as they are, it's just, it's really amazing to see. And, uh, you know, and, you know, the run game issues haven't been helped by all the injuries on the offensive line. And, and I, you know, I still think Najee Harris is you know, going to be a very good back in the NFL. He's, he's reaching a point in the season he's never really played, you know, at the college level, although he maintained a couple weeks ago that his practices in December at Alabama were just like playing in games that that shouldn't be an issue. But, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's an issue for the Steelers that they really haven't fixed. Um, having so many inexperienced offensive linemen plays into that, but they're going to have to go back to the drawing board again. I think once this, the off season gets here, 
Melvin Ingram, now a member of the Kansas City Chiefs, and whatever he is doing or is not doing with his own play, he's allowing Chris Jones to thrive. Even Mike Tomlin acknowledged that today. Yeah, he did. And what I found interesting, too, was Mike Tomlin uh, doubling down basically on the reason why the Steelers traded him. You know, he, you know, I thought it was interesting that he came out and acknowledged how uh, – you know, Melvin Ingram has helped solidify, you know, the linebacker position there and allowed other people to do things, but you know, kind of glossed over the fact that the Steelers allowed that to happen, that they pretty much gave him away. Then when pressed on it, he said that, look, the guy just didn't want to be here. Um, so I, they were happy to get the draft pick they did for him. And, you know, I guess Tom, he said he's basically willing to deal with the consequences, you know, when they play him this week. Joe Rudder with us. I still don't understand why it had to come down the way it had to come down and why the Steelers keep running into these brick walls when it comes to bringing guys in who expect more playing time than they get. It seemed to come to a head even worse with Melvin Ingram than it did some others, but hey, this goes back to LeGarrette Blunt for crying out loud with you know James Harrison and a couple other guys in between. Yeah, and the thing that was confusing about this one, too, is, I mean, you know, granted, it's harder to figure out because you're not in the locker room. You don't have access to guys. You can't, you know, talk to players you might have a good relationship with and maybe get some inside info on what's happening with guys like Melvin Ingram. But, you know, the fact that in the week before he was let go or traded, that he was around the team. He was they, they said he had an injury. He wasn't practicing, but he was still standing out in the field watching things. Whereas if they had such an issue with the guy, why didn't they just send him home? Um, you know, why did they let him still continue to hang around, go to meetings, be a part of the team while they're you know working to trade him? That I guess you know is still confusing on why they let it play out like that before finally trading him. The Steelers are nine and a half point underdogs as it stands right now. I think that line is too small, Joe. And I also looked at the over/under; it's forty-five. I'm not kidding when I say I think Kansas City can hit that by by themselves. I don't think that's too much of an exaggeration, potentially. <laughs> yeah, Kansas City, I think, can hit that. I, I, for some reason, see this as being, you know, I, I could see the nine and a half. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I, I think the Steelers have found ways, you know, whether you know whether they fall behind big again and come roaring back and make it within a two-touchdown, one-touchdown game. I, I think they've found a way – to kind of you know get back into these type of things, even if they fall short. So I think that they'll be you know the final score might not be indicative of the way the game is played at the beginning, but I still think the Steelers can keep this within around ten points. Well, the analogy that I drew was last week. You remember we were talking about how this game against the Titans sort of felt like what that game in 2018 felt like against the New England Patriots. That was a good team of the Patriots that went all the way to win the Super Bowl, but they came to Heinz Field. They weren't playing great at the time, and the Steelers beat them, kept their playoff hopes alive as they were fading and fading quickly, but then they had to go to New Orleans the next week, and well, they would have won that game if it weren't for Juju's fumbles and a couple of bad calls. The way you're talking, you make it sound like you think that that kind of game might happen here in Kansas City. I'm of a little different opinion where this is where I think the, the analogy doesn't hold. I, I don't think they can keep up with the Chiefs. Yeah, I don't know if they can keep up with them either, but I maybe see this playing out more as a Chargers type of game, not maybe where they get the lead in the fourth quarter, but where they mount some kind of comeback with Ben throwing the ball all over the place. Um, you know, that that, that that might be the way it plays out. Or, or, you know, in a Minnesota type of game where they come back and make it close. I just don't think it's going to be a blowout from the start.
All right, so my thanks to Joe Rudder. When we come back, we go to the other side of the fence and we hear from Soren Petro from Sports Radio 810 WHB. He will join us and we will talk about the Steelers and Chiefs from the KC side of things, not only about Kelsey, but also about Patrick Mahomes, the defense, and that very same story we talked about with Joe a little bit, Melvin Ingram and the impact that he's made on the KC defense. That's coming up next in the Pittsburgh CityCast. Bet River Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at betrivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Back at the Pittsburgh CityCast, Tim Benz with you. Again, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go online to betrivers.com. Wish we had some hockey to talk about. We should be looking at the Penguins game against the Devils or looking at the Penguins game against the Flyers. That's not going to happen now, though, because of COVID situations across the league in both Canada and in the U.S. And as a result, we have seen a pause for the National Hockey League. The NHL has decided to put the brakes on for the time being, and we're not going to see any more games until after Christmas. Personally, I think that's stupid. The NHL needs to adopt the NFL plan, the NFL is ceasing mandated weekly COVID-19 tests for asymptomatic vaccinated players. The updated protocols will go into effect after this weekend's games. That's what the hockey teams should do. That's what the NHL should do. There's no reason why sports leagues need to put themselves above everyday society when it comes to coronavirus regulations. I've said it before. I'll say it a million times moving forward. Most places of work don't mandate weekly testing for asymptomatic vaccinated people. The NFL and the NHL should not be any different. And for hockey players who do pop a positive, the NHL should also mirror a tweaked return-to-play model similar to their football counterparts. Under original return-to-play protocols, a vaccinated player in the NFL who tests positive must have two negative tests 24 hours apart before being cleared to return. The newly adopted changes shave that requirement, allowing fully vaccinated individuals to return provided they are asymptomatic for at least 24 hours. After all, does being vaccinated matter or not? We all seem to want to say that it does. So if that's the case, and we want the players to think that it does, then more of a differentiation needs to be made between those who are vaccinated and those who are not in pro sports and the rest of society. From that standpoint, that's where pro sports leagues should be an example to everybody else to think and use common sense. All right. Well, along those lines, we'll see what happens with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and the rest of the Kansas city chiefs and their coronavirus situations. But until now and then, there's other football to talk about as it relates to the Chiefs and the Steelers, and I did so with Seren Petro, best guy to turn to in Kansas City when it comes to information about the Chiefs, Sports Radio 810 WHB. You can listen to him there, and he joined me on the Breakfast with Ben's podcast. Here's a portion of our conversation here in the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. The Steelers have been a roller coaster ride to be sure, up and down every week. Not quite sure what team you're going to get. 
I guess in Kansas City, it's been a little bit of a different story. It was peaks and valleys early, now on the ascent again to the team that I think everybody expected to see this year and have gotten used to seeing in recent seasons. Uh, what turned around for the Chiefs to get them back to where we normally are used to seeing them? Yeah, you know, that's interesting because they're they're getting back to where I think people thought they would be, and that's the one seed in the AFC. There's obviously, you know, the fan base always has great confidence in, in coming off a season when you won the AFC last year. They expected to do it again this year, but it's the way they're doing it that's that's a little bit different, right? It's supposed to be 40 points a game for the offense and the defense doing enough uh, to win 40-30. And instead what's happened is they've turned things around is – the defense has been what carried the team at times winning games, you know, where, where the offense isn't even getting to 20 points or, or 22 points uh, during the course of their seven game win streak. And, and I think that's the part that people didn't see. I think there was an expectation that the defense would be better than it was last year. There was optimism that the experiment of Chris Jones out at left defensive end would work because they had a need for it. So if you have a need for it, then you want it to work. So you feel it will work. Uh, there was optimism that some of the young players, uh, could step in and, and make an impact. And early on, that wasn't happening. Two things. One, the Chris Jones experiment at left defensive end wasn't working. Jaron Reed really wasn't getting the job done at defensive tackle. Their one uh, major addition they made on the defensive side through free agency. And then the young guys weren't getting on the field. Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, uh, Juan Thornhill, who's in his third year at safety, who had been first-team all-rookie three years ago, they weren't playing. And I, and I think there was kind of an epiphany that came to the coaching staff and they said, all right, we, we've got to do something different. And they started putting the young players out. Juan Thornhill made a big difference. Dan Sorensen is a solid player, but was really being abused playing every snap. And he became more of the situational guy that I think the Chiefs had always envisioned for him when they first signed him. Uh, that helped. Nick Bolton really lays a punch uh, when, he, when he delivers a blow uh, at the middle linebacker spot. And he's playing a little bit out of position outside when Anthony Hitchens is there. But Hitchens went down for a game, and he played great at middle linebacker. And that's kept him in the, in the lineup. And Willie Gay, when not out for COVID, which he was last week, uh, has, has really given him a coverage linebacker that they haven't had. They've been missing really for a long time. Running backs and tight ends could just destroy them in the passing game. And he really solidified that spot. And then by going out and, and getting Melvin Ingram from the Steelers, you know, and it, it's yeah, not how's a, that going? A, yeah, it's, it's going great. And, and, you know, I, I don't know if it's a styles make fights thing that his style didn't fit with the, the way the Steelers want to play, but it definitely fits with the chiefs. And it's really been the sum that's been the greater part of it, right? Melvin Ingram, Playing left defensive end allows Chris Jones to go back to defensive tackle, which is really where everything works. Now, they struggled a little bit last week uh, in the game against the Chargers because Chris Jones, Willie Gay, uh, and Traverius Ward, their starting corner, were all out because of COVID reasons. And so the defense had its, its worst day in this seven-game win streak. But when everybody's out there, right, which is a big if in the NFL with injuries, but Melvin Ingram has allowed everybody to go back and allowed Chris Jones to go back to where he belongs and where he makes the biggest impact. And, and that Charger game proved how much they need Chris Jones because they didn't get one sack on Justin Herbert. But Ingram, just by playing a solid left defensive end, and at times better than that for the Chiefs, uh, has enabled them to be the best version of themselves. So is Ingram starting there at left defensive end then? Yes, he is. I mean, his first game he didn't. Uh, and, and then after that, he made, he made an impact right away. And, and from that point on, he's been the starter at left defensive end. Looks funny out there wearing number 24 uh, playing defensive end, but uh, he's done an excellent job. You know, he can set the edge, 
Uh, and and he, he's provided him a solid pass rush. And it helps when he's lined up next to Chris Jones and you run a twist and Chris Jones takes the attention and uh, or you get to work one-on-one against, a, you know, a right tackle. And it's also helped Frank Clark, uh, who's been, you know, frankly, has not lived up to the contract they gave him or, or what they paid in trading for him from the Seahawks. But when Chris Jones is there, when someone that you've at least got to account for is there on the other side, he's been able to work one-on-one, and we've seen some of his best football wearing a Chiefs uniform. So, yeah, the, the key is Chris Jones. There's no doubt about it. He makes everybody's life better because he draws so much attention on the inside. But when you at least have competent players around him, uh, then the sum of the defensive line is a lot better than it was early in the year. Strand Petro with us again from Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Tim Benz here, Breakfast with Benz podcast. Back to the struggles that they had early in the season and in talking about the defense, I know the defense took a lot of heat nationally, and I felt like it took a while for people to come around on saying, you know, Mahomes was a part of the struggles early, and I don't know why that was. Um, does that start in Kansas City? Is he sort of a sacred cow that you're not allowed to criticize? Is that the approach from the fan base, maybe even some in the media, or... Uh, what was it like in Kansas City? Sometimes it's different local to national. Were people on Mahomes early and then the national media just caught up? What, what was that dynamic like? Yeah, you know, I, I think, no, they were not on Mahomes early here. And Sacred Cow would be a great way to put it. Uh, the man in this city comes close to walking on water. Uh, you know, a, a town that was starved for the quarterback position, really going back to the Len Dawson days of the, of the early 70s. I mean, the franchise record for touchdown passes in a season was 30 from 1970. Uh, when when he got to the team. I think it was the 30th uh, highest uh, on the list of, of touchdown passes for a single season record. So, you know, there had not been a dynamic individual play quarterback. There had been some good ones. Alex Smith was a good one. Trent Green was a was a good to very good one uh, when he was here. You know, but th- there hadn't been that, that iconic guy. And, and, you know, the quarterback position is so important in all of sports that it transcends that. So the fact that he is – now arrived and not just played well, but played at an MVP level. Yeah, I, I think he was a little bit beyond reproach. I can tell you within the organization, there were real questions. They, they were aware that, okay, hey, he's not playing his best football. Why is that? Uh, who knows, right? I mean, in COVID times, it's tough to get close to a lot of people. Uh, the quarterback is always very guarded. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, while you know others around him may not be, uh, somewhat private. Uh, he is a pretty private guy and doesn't really talk about what's going on. I mean, I think there's there's no doubt the man's getting married, had a baby, he's building a house or houses. I mean, you know, anyone who's been through those experiences know they're great experiences, but it's a lot. It takes a lot off your plate. Was that it? Is, is it just the natural course of a, of a young man maturing and, and being distracted by the, the things that you have to go through in life as you you know, grow in being an adult and a father and a, and a husband? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, is there something else? I don't know. But he wasn't playing his best football. Now, that being said, he wasn't playing as bad as some of the statistics said. Right now he has, uh, I think it's, well, yeah, I think it's 13 interceptions after the last game. He has seven of them that, according to the analytics, were 70, uh, 70% or better to be caught by his own guy. So if you knock that down to six, uh, even if they're not caught, right? And some of those would have been caught for touchdowns, which would have pushed his touchdown number up even more. I think two or three of them were in the end zone. You know, his season looks very different. But he was not playing as well, and I think he would be the first one to admit it. He he has admitted it. He's one of those guys that always takes it on himself. Every incompletion, every drop ball is one that he could have thrown better. You know, he never throws his teammates under the bus. So, I, yes, he could play better. I think he is playing better. But to the degree that it, it became the story that somehow, you know, if you just look at the interceptions and the numbers, no, he wasn't playing uh, as bad as, as it might look if you were just looking at statistics. 
If Kelsey doesn't play, is that the kind of thing that would swing the Chiefs to not be able to win this game or not be able to cover against the Steelers? As important as he is and as good as he is, I still don't think so, but maybe you have a different view. What do you think? I think it's a huge loss, right? Can they overcome it? Yeah, in any one game, do I give Andy Reid a chance to to scheme around, uh, overcome any problems that they've got? I do. I think it's it's maybe the accumulation, uh, you know, if their kicker's out. If Harrison, you know, if, if it is going to be a close game and Harrison Butker's not the guy kicking, he's as good as there is in the NFL. Throwing Charvarius Ward, a starting corner that's down, you know, then I, I think that becomes a problem because then you lean on the offense even more. We saw, like I said, finally the defense wasn't really there the way it had been, rock solid for about five games of, of, of what is now a seven-game win streak. Um, the, the, you know, if they have to go out and say, look, we got to boat race this and get to 30-plus, it's a problem. I, I don't know that the Steelers' offense can put enough pressure on their offense to do it. it, it is I, I, know that it I know that it can't. <laughs> <laughs> But if, but if, you know, yeah, special teams, uh, score, a fumble, a scoop and a score, those kind of things that add the points and, and you're chasing that number, then I think it does put more pressure on them. And having Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, they are really the ultimate one-two punch with, with Tyreek Hill. You know, having the ability to take the top off the defensive ball, he's really been operating underneath a lot now and almost like a slot receiver and getting a volume of catches as opposed to the big plays over the top because teams are so afraid of what they can do with those big plays and sitting in cover two and shell defenses and, and basically giving the Chiefs all the way down to the 20-yard line. They, they still rack up yards. It's just that they're you know not giving them those big plays and they're forced to earn everything up and down the field. You know, Kelsey's the guy that keeps the chains moving, and Tyree kills the guy who takes the big shots, or has been in the past. They haven't had as many of those big shots, but they've been very efficient at keeping the ball moving down the field. And they've been much better in the run. You know, their rebuilt offensive line is, is probably better suited to run the ball than it is pass block, frankly. Uh, it's big, physical guys that, that like to be rough. Uh, like to be aggressive and like to get downfield. So you know, I think the Chiefs will want to get the run game going and have it be effective. They're never going to just lean on the run game. That's not Andy Reid's style. But they want it to be a part of it. And if that run game is effective and the screen game is working, then they'll do a better job of living without Travis Kelsey. But make no mistake about it, that's one of the big conversations here on slow times. Well, who's more important, Kill or Travis Kelsey? Most people end up landing on Travis Kelsey being the more important guy. I think if Kelsey plays, the Chiefs boat race the Steelers. I think if Kelsey plays, that nine and a half number is way too narrow and the, the Chiefs cover. And if Kelsey plays, they very well might hit 45 by themselves for the over-under. Um, I don't see the Steelers going to KC and mustering up an upset uh, or rally the troops kind of game. I think they had their closest possible version of that against the Titans last time out. Uh, I think Casey wins this one easily, and then it's up to the Steelers to take care of their own business over the last two weeks against the Ravens and the Browns. Um, I just think the Chiefs are too good for the Steelers. What's your vibe on that front? Yeah, you know, I think that's an interesting uh, read from a Pittsburgh uh, perspective. I think from Kansas City, I would say the fear would be you know, and, and, and really losing guys for COVID maybe some focuses this team. The, the question I would have is, look, I, I think from a betting perspective, I, I'm never one to try to stop a streak. I think, you know, if a train's coming down the tracks, either get on it and ride it or get the hell out of the way, but definitely don't stand in the way of it and try to stop it. So I don't see a reason to be on Pittsburgh, but I think if there's a reason to not be on Kansas City, 
it's this team since it was one and two, two and three, three and four, and really it, it, it hit a crescendo at three and four where people started saying, yeah, maybe this isn't a playoff team. Maybe they are done. Maybe this is all they have. Has really kind of been on a mission to, to focus, figure out their problems, and get going. They got – and now they've come all the way back to where they are, the one seed. Does the team exhale? Does it feel like, okay, mission accomplished. We're where we're supposed to be. We got this. We're all good. And they have a bit of a letdown game. That That is – the, the what I would be cautious of in, in jumping on the Steelers laying those kind of points, particularly if they're down some people, is is this a letdown situation? Are they a team that's up and running and nothing's going to stop them and they're going to finish strong and go all the way to where they have you know the bye week if, if New England and Tennessee would lose another game and, and they can sit the last week okay, but if they need three games, three more wins to get to that one team on a mission, or are they a team that exhales right now? I, that, that's where I would have some concern. Yeah. It's a big number in the NFL against a good coach and a veteran quarterback. I, I know where you're coming from because, like, just with the the way the NFL is going this year, um, you can never look at a team and say, well, this one's a lock, or you can never assume that a team is going to continue a winning streak in perpetuity just because. You know, like, there's going to be that game. I just don't feel comfortable picking that game. Like, I was never going to pick the Jaguars to beat the Bills. I never would have thought the Saints would beat the Bucks in the manner that they did the other night. And if I get bitten by this one, then okay, I guess I get bitten. But I think I'm jumping on your philosophy, Saran, of jump on the train or get out of the way. And, and I'll jump on the train with the Chiefs for this one. Yeah, and I, and I think one thing about betting the Chiefs, because I do think their offense is coming around. They're finding the rhythm of how to attack the defenses the way they're playing right now. They, they are a better running team than they look like on paper. Like I said, for that, that offensive line gives them that opportunity. They just have to call those plays a little bit more often and, and not drop the ball. Drops have been a big problem for this team. They're starting to get over that. Turnovers have been a big problem. They were getting over that, but they had two more, uh, both on Mahomes, a fumble and an interception last time out. But they're the kind of team that you can be grinding along, grinding along and feeling great that you got the dog and all these points, and then they can score in just one play. And, and all of a sudden the game looks very different. And the defense also gives them another level. They, they forced 18 turnovers in the seven games, two more last week against the Chargers. That was the, they, they turned it over four times against the Chargers in the first game, but didn't take it away at all. They're now taking away the ball routinely. Like I said, 18 turnovers in seven games. So even the defense has a chance to bust this game open because of the way that they've been able to pressure the quarterback and get takeaways. I think it's it's very tough to bet against the Chiefs right now. doesn't mean you got to always be on them, but I'm with you. I would bet the Chiefs or I would stay out of the way. All right, so my thanks again to Seren Petro. We will hear from Mike Persuda Friday. We will hear from Matt Williamson as we look ahead to a busy weekend of NFL activity, we think, unless they decide to go on pause like the NHL. Hopefully that won't be the case. Lots to watch from a Steelers perspective. Lots to watch from an AFC North perspective. By the way, uh, just looking at the AFC North lines right now, the Steelers at plus 650 to win the North. They're creeping up on the Browns at plus 600, the Bengals in front at plus 140, the Ravens at plus 155. At this point, I wouldn't make that much of a differentiation between the Ravens and Bengals and the Browns and Steelers because of the schedules that remain for all the teams and the tight, compact nature of the division and the conference for that matter. I know when it comes to the Bengals, one cliche about the Bengals this year is that they arrive too soon. You know, the notion being that their talent has put them in a place where they are contending, even if their maturity and their lack of playoff-type experiences 
not there yet. That's probably how you can look at this team, which has been so good so often this season, but at the same time could lose to the Bears and the Jets and be non-competitive in games against the Chargers and the Browns. And at times, when the AFC North was begging to be won, they just wouldn't take it. I get it. But if the Bengals' ascent is a year too soon, then maybe so is the demise of the rest of the division. The Steelers' meandering year of 2021 was supposed to come the year after Big Ben retired, not during his last season. The dismantling of chemistry in Cleveland and questions about faith in Baker Mayfield were supposed to be fended off until 2022 at the earliest. And in Baltimore, well, we were all waiting for Lamar Jackson to get hurt, thus causing their collapse, not anticipating everyone around him getting hurt in September and August, and then having a string of weeks of weird things happening to him in December. Regardless, the division is Cincinnati's for the taking, even if maturity-wise the Bengals aren't ripe to take it, but they are in first place now. They did gut out a close, low-scoring road win against a decent Denver team in the mile-high altitude. That's a good step in the right direction, and it needs to be. It was absolutely necessary with the Ravens, Chiefs, and Broncos on the horizon. Those are tough games for the Bengals to play. So when you see the Steelers' remaining schedule and you see those tough teams on it, just stop and remember for a second, that's who the Bengals play too. So I don't rule out the Steelers somehow being able to backdoor their way into this division championship. It'll be probably easier for them to go in that way than through the wild card, believe it or not. All right, uh, that will do it for us today. Uh, got off a little rant there at the end, but uh, definitely worth it because I do think we want to keep an eye on some of those uh, division props for the Steelers and see how they play out week to week here as they, I think, perhaps stay afloat in the AFC North, even if they do lose this week against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.